This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, guys? Alex Contreras alongside Eli Sussman, Ethan Badowski. Ethan coming in with a little bit of the bud, the bud lights. You know what I'm saying? Here at the barbecue. Isaac, welcome. Yo, before we sign anyway, hey, Isaac, let me see your ID, man. How old are you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hey, we're, here. Thanks, man. We're, we're excited to have you guys along. Talk some Marlins barbecue. Talk some Marlins baseball. Um, where do we start, man? Ethan, what are you thinking about the team? Isaac, what are you thinking about the team? Uh, you know, it's been a tough stretch that they're in right now. It's just the lack of consistency is really frustrating, honestly, to watch them, you know, two games at Wrigley Field go for 21 runs in two nights. And then they have they've scored uh, two runs in their last three games here, um, you know, in, in this the third game against the Cubbies and then the two games against the Blue Jays so far. So. It, the, like I said, the front, the the inconsistency in the lineup, the offense, it just feels like it never gets going. And you're sitting there and you just kind of know exactly what's going to happen. And it unfolds right before your eyes. Like last night, you just kind of could feel that they weren't going to get the bats going right from the beginning. And, and, you know, Starling Marte does what he does. And he basically carries the team right now and carrying the offense. And, uh, you know, they have some guys that seem like they're getting there. Like Aggie seems to be hitting. Uh, swinging the bat a little better the last couple of days, putting the bat on the ball, just nothing's really falling for him right now. Um, but they could use to get Jazz going again. He's in a bit of a cold rut, even though his plate discipline has been, you know, solid for what you're looking for from him. But it's it's a frustrating year, Alex. You know, it's been really up and down with all the, you know, how good the pitching's been, and it it just feels like that Sandy game in in St. Louis when he goes eight and a third and loses one nothing, you know, on a walk off in the ninth inning. It just feels like that was the perfect summary of what we've been this year. The pitching has been outstanding, and the offense. You just can't get anything going on offense. So it's been a frustrating year, but, um, you know, I think people got a little, their expectations a little wild after what we experienced last year. And, uh, you know, their, their expectations are coming down from, um, what, you know, from the sky high expectations that they had before the year and they're coming back to earth a little bit and it's frustrating and upsetting, but that's just kind of how it is. What about you, Isaac? How do you feel? Hey, you know what, man? The word I would describe is uh, it's deflating. It's a little bit those two games, man. We come into Miami after a promising series against the Cubs. And, you know, those are two winnable ball games against Toronto, albeit a good ball club. But you know what? Those are two games that you have to win. You know, Ross Stripling, if you're two, two of the best pitchers in the National League East, pitching for you and Sandy and Trevor, and you come out of there scoring two runs the entire series, it's not going to get it done. It's frustrating. I was at the game yesterday and besides a couple of line drives, just, you know, they were having their way with us. A leadoff double by Duvall in the ninth and nothing else after that. It's just like, like Ethan said, it's frustrating as how well the pitching has been doing. But other than that, it's, you know, it's reality sinking in that it's not going to be 2021 or maybe even, you know, anytime soon, unfortunately. You know what I'm thinking, man, if, if we're so, we got this spectacular farm, right. And we got these pitchers. And Sandy's like had unfortunately he's had bad luck. He's had two hell hell of a ball games. Uh, 
he went complete game. Like, man, he still lost. Like, the Marlins haven't backed him up with no runs whatsoever, right? Pablo's doing all right. He had that one odd start, right? But Marlins need offense, right? And you look at the Toronto Blue Jays and, like, man, you look at a guy like Vlad Jr. Why don't we just – we eventually have to make a trade, man. Why don't we just make a move? You know what I'm saying? Straight up. Let's just – Sandy Sandy for Vlad or, or Sandy and, and somebody else. You know what I'm saying? No, Sandy, it's – it's wishful. It's wishful thinking, but we need something like that. They need something that will just jumpstart them. They need a hitter that's going to be their premier guy. You know, we've been looking for a Soto, an Acuna, a, a Vlad, a Tatis type, and it just had that guy hasn't rolled through yet. You know, I think Jazz is going to be a really solid baseball player, and I definitely think he'll be a bit of a star in this league. But um, you know, he's he's going to have his struggles at points this year. Obviously, he struggled last year, so they've just been crying out for this for a guy that's just going to jump up right away and like, okay, I kind of thought that was going to be JJ Blade, but he's having a tough time in double a right now. I think he'll come on eventually. He's going to be a really good player, but yeah, at some point with this surplus of pitching, we saw what they did with gallon and jazz. Like at some point they're going to have to make one of these big moves and just, you know, move on from one of their major league guys and say, we've got so much to protect us against losing this guy that we can go out and make a move for a premier bat. And it's, you know, I'm not talking about like a, like a prospect, you know, I want like, it's time to get an established young bat in here. You know, obviously those guys, the, the Acunas, the Vlad, the Vladis, the Tetises, those guys are untouchable. They're not going anywhere, but you know, you know, they're not going anywhere. They're not okay. going anywhere. If they call you and they say, Hey, listen, I'm giving you Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara straight up. It, it's, and, you and know, I'll give you Jesus Aguilar to replace his bat and you figure it out. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's tough. It's, to it about. sounds good. It sounds good in theory, but it's just like, you know, but I don't, I don't know. They do have to, at some point, get an established bat that's proven that they can hit at the major league level because, uh, you know, except for a few guys, they, they don't really have that yet. You know, you've got Marte, Aguilar, and uh, Duvall has proven he can hit home runs, but what else has he really proven he can hit? So, uh, you know, it, it they need something established is, I think, the most important thing. And they got to find seven, eight, nine guys that can, you know, be consistent hitters because the offense just isn't consistent enough. Hasn't been for years, really. Let me spin it to you, Isaac. What do you think? What would you yeah, think? you know, I was actually thinking about that in the car on the way here. If you were, you, if they're not going to spend the money, which, you know, it's looking like they're not, you're going to have to make some trades now because right now you have the pitching. It's not, you know, exactly Syndergaard, Harvey, and DeGrom, but you have incredible pitching. You have Sixo, Edward, Eater, Meyer coming. You're going to have great pitching for a very long time, so you're going to have to make some trades. You can trade a Connor Scott. You can trade a Peyton mm-hmm. Burdick. Maybe that wouldn't have been a horrible trade if trade for Wilson Contreras. Maybe you trade a Kyle Nicholas or a Zach McCambly. You can get some quality bats in return for those guys. You know what I mean? Like, right now is the time. You have those pitching, those pitchers. You have them. And when you have the pitching – it's not, it doesn't stick around for all, you know, forever. So, you know, if I'm them, you got to make a few trades. And like, like Ethan was saying, there's a lot of players that, you know, that are, aren't even top 10 prospects that would net back some pretty decent offensive players, in my opinion, like a Kyle Nicholas, anyone. I think they, they need to do it this year because who knows, you know, how much longer Pablo's going to be effective. And, you know, they got to do some trades for sure. That's why I think that at the deadline, you know, that's obviously the big storyline coming up is that the deadline is kind of around the corner. And it's like, 
you can kind of look at it and say, okay, well, they're going to do some selling for sure. You know, they're going to try and trade a guy like Floro, a guy like um, Duvall, I think could be on the move Dickerson if he's healthy, you know what I mean? Like there are guys that you look at and, you know, we can talk about Marte all we want, but we talk about that enough everywhere else. But my point is they can do a mix of selling and buying. And I think a good way to do some buying is to, you know, take advantage of that surplus the way we saw with the jazz trade and go out and get a, a really good hitting prospect or somebody that, you know, already can hit in the big leagues. So, um, yeah, you know, I saw something on Twitter recently where it was like the Marlins are their, their windows opening, like with that, with the starting pitching you have, where you have three headline starters in Trevor Pablo and Sandy, they're all under 26 years old. Um, this, this is your time, you know, it, now is your time and to not surround them with proper hitting and a proper offense is a bit of malpractice in a way, because you just gave up a year of, of what they're going to be able to do. And they're going to be able to do it for a long time. It looks like, uh, but you know, I love Sandy and, and I keep going back to Sandy and, and, and Pablo. I just feel like, man, damn, like, like Isaac was talking about these young studs are about to come up. And they have to let the let the kids play. You gotta let the young kids develop and all that. And, and man, I really hope Dickerson can get healthy and we can find a, a trade partner for him because Jesus Sanchez is looking sweet. Lewin Diaz has got a sweet swing too. I'm, I'm you know, very high on him. There's very lots of excitement if you're a Marlins fan for sure. You know, uh, you're just looking for them to turn this wave. Um, I, I I agree with you when you when you talk about Jazz and he could be a star. Um, but what, what can you really compare him to? Like, what's his ceiling? Well, like a DD Gregorius, so that's what we're mm-hmm. shooting for, you know? Javier Baez would be the ceiling, in my opinion. Maybe, like, you know, not MVP Javier Baez, but, you know, like, you know, kind of down-to-earth Javier Baez was a comparison I saw the other day. Far, I just, you know. Hopefully I was he doesn't talking, strike out like him. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I was talking to my dad. I was talking to my dad today about Jazz and how he's just kind of struggling right now. But, uh, you know, what, what I was saying is, if he has a 750 to 800 OPS this year, and then he, he goes 2020, like that's a damn good rookie year. That's a stellar rookie year. And he's only going to get better. You know what I mean? So if he goes 2020 in any form this year and uh, his, his plate discipline numbers are actually even in this stretch, he's like hanging under, under 30% around 27, I think. And he's walking at like 9%. So his plate discipline numbers are actually pretty good. He's been taking his walks recently and he still picks up like a hit every game or every other game or so. He's not really that bad in a slump right now, but he's going to get out of it. He's going to start hitting the ball out of the yard again. And, um, you know, I think DD, like if you get DD Gregorius, like that's a great player, you know what I mean? So if he ends up, if he turns into DD Gregorius, I think that's a, a great, you know, potential, his ceiling is higher. I think his ceiling is higher than Didi. But if you're talking about realistic expectations for him to become a player like Didi Gregorius would be um, huge for the Marlins. Didi's a guy I wanted the Marlins to go out and get in the offseason. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been the last two seasons that Didi's been available. I said the Marlins should push for him. So, you know, uh, but I think, like I said, you know, his he can still turn out to have a really great rookie year if he goes 2020. Hey, I'm gonna change the subject up on you guys a little bit here. And um, recently, they they've, they started incorporating the whole umpires uh, checking the the pitchers when they get on the mound. You know, how do you guys feel about that? My opinion on this is, should there be like some type of penalty or something on the team, on the opposing team, if if maybe the manager's like, hey, go check them. You know what I'm saying? And then the guy has nothing. Maybe take away a challenge or something like that. You know what I mean? Because I don't know. Yeah, what no, you guys. I, I, 
I saw that. it's 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 funny, man. Sergio Romo's reaction shirt. It's funny, man. You know, like Joe Girardi. I don't know what he was thinking. He was like going out of his way because then it's a slippery slope because then you're gonna have a manager trying to mess up a pitcher's time in the middle of like you know Sandy pitching in St. Louis. What if the manager is oh go check him out in the seventh inning in the middle of an inning? That you know there has to be some sort of consequence. It should be like a challenge in a way where you know you you use it and if they if he's clean. Then hey, like there should be some sort of consequence for sure, but you know I, they can't really take away a challenge for you know. So it's it's tough. I don't really know what they would use as a consequence, but something's got to be done. If not, everyone's just gonna be you know checking the pitchers every other inning, and it's gonna slow the game down even more. Before before the game yesterday, I was on the field talking to a couple of guys from the media, and and one of them suggested uh, like a you have like um, limits on mound visits now and you have limits on challenges there should be limits right. on how many times you can check a guy you know what i mean because it yeah it would be ridiculous if you just check the guy every inning you know if he has a good inning you just send him you just send an ump out there and then the other thing i saw is and this is a good idea is you should have an an umpire like in the dugout checking you know what i mean there, you don't have to do it on the field out in front of it everybody you can have an extra umpire in each dugout that comes over and does it because then it leads to these public scenes you know and it's hilarious don't get me wrong like what scherzer and romo did is hilarious but then it causes a scene and it causes you know a distraction and talk about it to the point where we're talking about what romo did and everything and i think it would maybe be better to just kind of do it in the dugout so that it just kind of flies under the radar and there you go but i definitely think like you want to you want to check be able to check a pitcher twice you know, once at the beginning, once at the end, that's fine. But I think that uh, really the key is to, you know, I, I think limiting it would be a really good idea because it's just like a, it's just like a mound visit. It's just like a challenge and we have limits on those. So, Hey, Eli, you want to get involved in this too? <laughs> it's still a lot to digest uh, with the repercussions of all this. In fact, uh, we're recording this on Thursday. I'll be intently watching not to point fingers at anybody, but somebody like Cody Pote, who was totally off our radar at this time a few months ago. I mean, one of the things that makes him kind of distinct is the spin rate on his breaking balls. That's Those things are nastier than people ever thought. Um, I, I think you can believe that he put in a lot of his own work to make that happen. But if you just look across the board at guys who are suffering the most because of these checks, it's the guys that have those super high spin rates on their pitches. And I'll be very curious. This is going to be his first start since those rules went totally into effect. And he's kind of a guy that's holding down a spot. So I'll be watching him pretty closely to see whether his pop-up success is something that is like fully legit or whether he, he's somebody that may have gotten an advantage from uh, the way that we used to handle pitching back in the day. Um, but aside from that, we just got we got to watch this play out. You know, I, it was interesting. If you looked at Trevor's spin rates last night and he, I'm not as, you know, sure about this one because his spin rates aren't really elite. Like he's never a guy that has spun it like crazy, but they were really down across the board last night and he didn't, he clearly didn't have his best stuff. So that may have just been him, you know, not bringing his best stuff. Uh, he was still pretty solid, but it's something to watch across the league everywhere. I mean, you know, the guys that have been obvious are guys like Bauer and Cole and these guys with crazy spin rates. And now all of a sudden their spin rates are kind of coming back to earth a little bit, but Bauer still struck 10 guys out last night. So it's, it's kind of like, okay, you know, maybe these guys are just really good and they, you know, they don't need the advantage, which is the whole, the whole thing, right? Like Scherzer um, gets pissed off and it's because he's just really good. You know, he's a hall of famer. He'll be a hall of famer, whether he, it comes out to use sticky stuff or not. So um, it's, 
you know, somebody asked me like, is this going to happen all the time? Is it going to be like this for the rest of the year? And no, it's not going to be like this for the rest of the year. It's the first week. Uh, so, you know, there's a magnifying glass on it right now and they're going to be really, really cautious with checking everybody. Um, we just kind of got to let it play out. And I think eventually we'll fall into seeing it every now and then a check before the game, a check after a guy comes off the mound, that kind of thing. So, yeah, well, they got to catch somebody eventually. Right. You know, if, they, if they do this every single day for honestly, we could be checking back in like two weeks. And if they don't find a single person with anything suspicious on their fingers, mm-hmm. then the, the clamoring for this to stop is going to really heat up pretty fast. I think this, it's not going to be the end of the season. I think it's just a matter of weeks until um, the, the blowback becomes too strong. If, if we don't actually catch anybody in the process. Well, you gotta be, you gotta be pretty stupid to be using it right now, because like I said, everybody's going to be looking, you know, everybody's going to be looking for it right now. So to use it this week, you gotta be really, really stupid. Um, But if, if they catch somebody in a week or so, you know, it gets interesting, but all of a sudden, if you don't start checking, you know, watch Bauer spin rates, watch this guy's spin rates and they start going up and then you got to check again. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's I, I'm very intrigued to see how it plays out over the rest of the year. Yeah, what happens refreshing to see uh, Sandy pitch well, you know, knowing like, I don't think he was ever someone that, you know, benefited from any of that stuff. But it's refreshing to see him. Everything's spin rates look good across the board as well for his start against Toronto. And you know, it was definitely good to see. Man, I'm just going to miss the whole like. What if, what if a guy is like the flu game and the guy's just like, he's sneezing on the ball. True, 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 you know what, I'm what are they going to come at him? Come on, dude. Oh, I got the, I got the flu. Well, you know what I'm saying? Somebody hey, man, like somebody was saying like, are these guys are, you're going to start seeing guys use hair gel, you know, and they're going to start going like this. And how can you out, you can't outlaw, tell a guy not to wear hair gel. Like, you know, so I don't know. It's, I the, see. The I see hot in the back. I see hot in the back. How, how did the guy uh, from Major League do it? He had a little bit of this, a little bit of that. When you can't yeah. hold the kid. You gotta take care. You don't. You don't got the zip on your fastball. <laughs> hey, uh, so we're getting closer to July, right? And July is is when Marlins uh, Lone Depot Park. I'm sorry, opens to full capacity. What are the odds that we get a sellout crowd at Lone Depot Park? You know, for those Yankee games, pretty high probability. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know if a sellout. I don't know if thirty six thousand. But you know, it should be you no know, a nice little 30,000 uh crowd for we, the Dodgers as well, Padres maybe. Will we ever be- will we ever see another sellout? That's opening day, tw- opening opening day 2022. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see a sellout eventually, and then like eventually this team's gonna get into the playoffs. Like they'll sneak into the playoffs some year, I think. You know what I mean? So eventually, yeah, there's gonna be a sellout, but you know, the more, I think the Marlins are really hit, missing a huge opportunity and maybe it would be easier if they were playing well, but a lot of these teams, when they went full capacity, like I know the Cubbies specifically, when they went full capacity, they were advertising the first game back as like opening day. This is second opening day, you know, like come out and it'll be just like opening day. They'll have the Sarah, you know, the whole thing. And I think the Marlins are really missing an opportunity to promote this as a second opening day, because like Isaac said, opening day almost always sells out. You know, every year there's a huge crowd on opening day. So I think the Marlins, like if they were saying, okay, we're going to have, you know, it's going to be a second opening day. I think they could get a big crowd out there, but the Dodgers, the fact that it's the Dodgers and the fact that it's just full capacity, I think there'll be a pretty big crowd, but yeah, I mean, with the way the team's playing, I don't see a sellout happening anytime soon. I'll tell you what, I had a conversation with somebody on set the other day and they told me how to get a sellout immediately, immediately. For the Marlins. All right, here we see. I'm gonna hit you with the screwball. 
Derek Jeter and retires for one day, puts himself in the lineup. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed sellout. Yeah. Could you imagine like the like the one at bat thing back in the day with Adam Greenberg or whatever his name? <laughs> Jeter takes one at bat. I think he could do Sell a better out. job. I think he could do a better job hitting than some of the guys in this lineup could do right now. So it might not be a bad idea, actually. That, that reminds me of when uh, Barry Bonds used to be the hitting coach and he had that young stud outfield and he would talk to Yelich and Stan and Ozuna and be like, watch, man, I can I could do a, a batting round with y'all. I'll hit the ball this way and that way and everything. And it was that work ethic, man. You would love to see like that, like those older guys rubbing off on mm-hmm. the younger players. So I would like to see Jeter talking, talk like talking like that a little more, you know, talking hitting with those guys because Barry Bonds had a huge influence on Marcelo Zuna. Like, you know, you remember that that year was kind of his breakout year when he used when, to uh, use Barry's bats. Barry was the coach. Yeah. It, he was definitely kind of like a that was like a breakout year for him. So I don't know. Yeah. Some, we, need, we could use anything right now to get this offense jump started. So. Yeah, yesterday was the first time Jeter was down on the field for in a while, no? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, I did see him talking to uh, Marte the other day. Uh, yeah. I still haven't been on the field at the same time as Jeter. I would, I, I don't know. I haven't been starstruck around many of the guys yet. Keep it together, man. Just keep it together. Yeah, he might be <laughs> one of the guys. He might be one of the guys that would get me for sure. Growing up, you know, watching cheats. So I'm not gonna lie. When the first time I met Jeter, bro, I met him at the fan fest immediately after they acquired the team. First thing I told him, man, I came up to him. Mr. Jeter, man, thank you so much for buying the team. It's time that somebody, you know what I'm saying, bought the team that cared about baseball. Like, mm-hmm. thank you, baseball gods. I'm sick and tired of being the laughing stock of the league. You know what I'm saying? The guy looked mm-hmm. at me like it was crazy. It was a, it was a, an amazing mm-hmm. uh, experience. And now it's like, you know what I'm saying? I got out of it. I've, I've been able to work with the guy. But, um, but yeah, man. Derek oh, I got a I got a random note for you guys. Uh, I think last night there was Jorge Posada was photographed in the press box. And that's the first time really? I saw him around the team, I think, oh, wow. all year. Because he was supposed to be an advisor to the team uh, it's right. definitely in 2019. And then I think he even said that um, sometime earlier this year that due to COVID, like they kind of scaled back his role. But uh, they seem to be on nice terms again. I wonder what they were talking about. That was up in like uh, the owner's box, one of the other photographers. He was, always, he was always like a guy that was rumored to be like the next manager. Hey, <laughs> you know, so was like, like, just going straight. Just going straight Yankees all around. I'm sure that would that would uh stop the narrative that Jeter's just building the Miami Yankees. But the Yankees won a lot when Jeter was there, so I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Yeah, man. And actually, Jorge was uh was one of my, was a coach of mine at Gulliver, and so like, I reached out to him in 2020 to see you know if there's any opportunity with the Marlins, and he's like, listen, Isaac, I'm not really you know he's not doing much with the team because I think for 2020 he didn't he wasn't doing much at all. He, he really scaled back. I also talked with um, Andre Dawson to see if he was doing anything with the Cubs, and almost every single job was scaled back a ton in 2020. So yeah, it's good to see that he's back. Or hey, anyway, well, man, uh, let's get into the final. The final subject out of here, the final topic at the barbecue. I'm going to ask you guys, who do you think is going to win this series? Are the Marlins going to be able to get hot? You know, the the pitching matchups, uh, Joe Ross, Cody Petit. We got um, – who, who else is going to be on the mound? We got Zach Thompson. I know, from, uh, I know they'll see Scherzer at some point for sure. Scherzer's on Sunday versus Sandy Alcantara. Oh, man. Ooh. And you know we're going to lose one nothing. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Anyway, uh, so a great matchup. Marley's Barbecue. What do you bring into the barbecue, Ethan? I'm telling you, hey, come through. You know what I'm saying? What were you like? What are you trying to? What you so trying? I guess you brought me on here to talk about my experience at Wrigley Field. So I guess I got to do it. Um, if you haven't been to Wrigley Field before, and I actually was writing an article about my experience and I lost it. I have I don't know where it went. Uh, my words passed out and I just straight up don't have it. But I'm going to try and, and get it back. But um, it's if you haven't been and you really consider yourself a baseball fan, like this is just you got to do it. It's the most incredible baseball experience you'll ever have. Um, and it's not even just a baseball experience. It's, it's a, it's like a party atmosphere up there. So what's so cool about Wrigley, what's so unique about Wrigley is that it's literally dropped right into the middle of a neighborhood. And I guess technically the neighborhood was kind of built around it. Um, but in this neighborhood, it's like kids that live in Chicago, this is where they grew up going out, you know, like when when they were too young to go out this was the place to go you know so it, it's it's uh it reminded me of going to a game at uf uh like a football game because win or lose the cubs lost on saturday and on saturday afternoon after the game me and my buddies and my dad you know we went to a, a bar close by um and it was like it was like you it was like the cubs had just won the world series <laughs> like you know everybody was out everybody was having a good time everybody was was partying and dancing and enjoying themselves. And uh, actually this, this place is called sluggers. And if you ever go to Wrigley field, you got to go to this place. There's a batting cage upstairs and there had been a batting cage for years in this place. And then when Chris Bryant won the MVP, Red Bull sponsored the batting cage. So now it's like the Chris Bryant MVP cage or whatever. And you go upstairs and there's four bays that you can take pitches in. And my dad and I did the, did the slow pitch because we saw the fast pitch and we were like, there's no chance we're going to even touch anything there. So we did the slow pitch and um, these bats were like stinging my hands. I was getting off some pretty pathetic cuts up there, but it's just a cool thing. Like where else are you going to go to a bar? And there's a, you know, there's a whole arcade and there's Papa shot and this and that and the other Pac-Man, all this shit. And then there's a batting cage right in the middle of it. So it's just a, it's a cool experience, man. And the bleachers are unlike anything I've ever been a part of. It's like I said, it's like a student section at the Gator game. You know, there's heckling, it's, but it's all in good fun. Everybody's just enjoying themselves. Have you guys seen these cup snakes, this new trend? The, the, yeah, we you know, saw you at the bottom of them drinking. Dude, the cup snake, <laughs> the cup snake that so, I, uh, on, on, in left field on Saturday, I'm not kidding. They made a J. Like the, it, it went up the up the left all the way up the left field bleacher came back around and went like halfway up. It was it was incredible. It's just a party atmosphere. The Cubs lost eleven to one that day. You never would have known. You know, Duvall hit two home runs. Jesus hit a home run right at a guy that was heckling heckling the shit out of him right behind me. And my dad. Um, it's just it's a it's rowdy. It's rowdy, and you you gotta go. Listen, Alex. I know that you know you just went to Fenway, so I'm sure that you're looking to do some ballpark bark tours here go to wrigley and you cannot do anything besides sit in the bleachers don't even think about sitting in the seats man like i've done it in the seats and it's nice it's beautiful it's a beautiful park there is no atmosphere in baseball like sitting in the bleachers at wrigley field it is just the most incredible experience so you, you got to do it man it's definitely it's definitely on my bucket list i can't wait i yeah. do i'm gonna try to check it out when it's marley's cubs um mm-hmm. 
mentioned, like, I definitely went to Boston and went to check out Fenway. It was my first time out there. And, like, one of the cool spots out there was uh, the Bleacher Bar. They got a Bleacher mm. Bar right in center field. And, like, it's it's great because you could see all the, like, center field, like, your ground level. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have a drink. Like, the atmosphere was great. Like, the whole vibe, like, exactly what you're talking about, like, how uh, around Wrigley, they have, like, a little mm-hmm. town, like, this same thing in Fenway. Like, they just have, like, this whole little town and just, like, Fenway. And, like, people are so happy and joyful. Mm-hmm. And like the series was three games. The fr- the last game got postponed, right? Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to catch the 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 second game, and uh, the fish lost. Rogers was on the mound, but it was it was a, a I think it was three to one final score. But man, I had the chance to get on the Green Monster. You mm-hmm. champ, let's That's go amazing. Marlins. You know what I'm saying? Let's go Marlins on top of the yeah. freaking Green Monster. You know what I'm That's saying? That's amazing, like, dude. I, I met a bunch of Marlins fans out there. It was mm-hmm. like, man, this is crazy. You know, like I, I just love the whole environment. Like I would love for Marlins Nation to mm-hmm. eventually get to that state, bro. Like that that whole atmosphere. It doesn't matter if we lost ten to one. Like you're talking about, you know, like it, the Chicago the Cubs lost. Um, the following day, the game got postponed. I showed up. <laughs> And you couldn't tell me, like, you couldn't tell anybody at that stadium the game was postponed, bro. That thing was jam-packed. Uh-huh. It was like 28,000 people in there. It was just like, and when they, when they, I was like, today's game has been postponed at Fenway Park. People were booing, boo. <laughs> you know, it was just hilarious. Like, yeah. I love the, the passion. And, uh, man, I, I just, it's so beautiful to see baseball and, and definitely go check out Fenway Park. No, the cool, the cool thing about Wrigley is it really is the friendly confines. Like, the people there are just mm-hmm. the nicest people in the world. And on Friday, my dad and I, you know, we got there early because we spent the whole day kind of exploring Wrigley. And then the bleachers are general admission. So if you want to get a good seat, you got to get there early. So we got there early two hours before game time all three days. We sat first row, second row, first row in right field, left field, right field. And on Friday, we met these guys who we became buddies with. Like, you know, we're palling around with them, joking around with them. One of the guys was a Marlin fan from New Orleans. Um, and, and we got to know him, you know, he knew about fish stripe, happened to know about fish stripes. I told him, you know, how I write for the team and write for the team and I write for fish stripes. And it it was so cool to make these connections. And then they're our buddies now, you know, like (laughs) the kids played for Nebraska, uh, football, his name's Colin Miller. And I looked him up and, you know, I, I looked into his numbers and stuff and kid was a good football player there and um shout out to paul and the boys they know exactly who they're they know exactly who i'm talking about those are my guys um and we loved them so much that you know we they were going back on sunday and we were going back on sunday we sat with them again on sunday you know and it's just that kind of atmosphere where it's just all about enjoying yourself enjoying baseball enjoying life you know this was my first outing post-pandemic um really out into the world out into a full capacity you know, sporting event. And, uh, I always told myself during the pandemic, I would never take that shit for granted again. I would never take a full capacity crowd for granted again. And, uh, this is the reason why, man, you know, I went out there, I was enjoying life. It was father's day weekend. My dad and I, baseball has always been our thing, you know? So we we were just enjoying ourselves so much. And it was just a reminder of, of celebrating life enjoying life not taking anything for granted ever enjoying all those moments with your with your family and uh no nah, it was a, it was a beautiful weekend and it's it's a, a cathedral to baseball it's a it's a religious experience for a baseball fan when you walk in that place and you see it and uh you know i was with a buddy of mine i also met up with some friends from chicago you know cubs fans friends that i had known for years i'd never met these guys before they came some of my really good friends over here i'd never met these guys and uh i walked out 
you know, from the concourse back into the bleachers with them once. And this kid's been going to Cubs games his entire life. You know, he had been to four already that year. And he looks at me, goes, dude, this never gets old. Like it never gets old. And so go to Wrigley Field, go. It doesn't matter who's playing. It doesn't matter who you root for. It doesn't matter where you're from. They'll accept you. They'll bring you in. You'll have a great time. You know, the last time I went to Wrigley, I saw the Phillies. I saw the Dodgers. And uh, it's, it's an incredible experience baseball experience incredible baseball i I can't i don't know where else you can get anything like it in baseball because there's really only the three stadiums left i know isaac you said you've been to all three of them you know it's wrigley it's fenway and it's dodger stadium because Mm -hmm. you know shea is gone um the old yankee stadium is gone you know some of these historic ballparks are gone and so go to the ones while you can you know go go to wrigley i i don't think they're ever going to take that place down you know they would have a there would be riots in chicago if they ever took that place down um but go to it see it enjoy it it's an amazing baseball experience and honestly go, go expose yourself to other baseball experiences as well because everybody does it differently than miami you know miami's that party atmosphere a little bit um every place does it different and uh it's so cool to see i'm glad that you shared about the bleacher seats because i I, honestly i was looking into getting like the bartman seat Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i get my own opinion on it (laughs) i'll tell you what every person that works at wrigley field knows could tell you what seats bartman sat in you know everybody knows where you know this the obviously everybody knows where it happened but if you ask somebody that's worked there for a long time what seats Bartman sat in, they'll tell you and they'll send you right down there and you can go take your picture. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, the history there is amazing. Hey, before we close out this segment, you know, um, I was thinking about that bleacher bar and I was also thinking about the clips of Manny Ramirez hopping into the, into the scoreboard. <laughs> now it all makes sense. He was hitting up a bar, getting a little drink. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, man. So our final segment of this is this or that, this or that. Um, we're going to talk about the series. Who do you got, Isaac? You got Nats or Marlins? Well, you know, for game one here, I don't, I don't know how well Potit's going to handle it. You know, like Eli mentioned, you know, it's his first outing since the new rules. Um, but I think Ross what might be a good matchup for us offensively. So I think I think we'll probably split the two games. There's a couple lefties, Corbin and Lester, pitching on Friday and Saturday, respectively. So we'll have to, I say we split at least, you know, Sandy will be a fun game on Sunday against Scherzer. I'm definitely trying to go to that game. Nashville's only one game under 500, man. They're, they're playing pretty good baseball. They're red hot. So it's going to be tough. So I'd say we, we split it. Ethan. Yeah. I, I, the, you never know what the Marlins, like it's so hard to predict with this team because if, the, if the offense can have a couple of good games, like they did at Wrigley, they can win three or four of these. Um, but I'm really looking forward to that Sandy and uh, Scherzer matchup on Sunday. That's going to be something special. But uh, I'm not feeling too good about the Marlin offense right now. So I'm just going to go straight up and say that I think the Nationals, they're red hot right now. Schwarber's on fire. I, I'm, I hate to say it, but I'm, yeah, I'm going to think the Nationals take. I, I could see a split. I, I, I actually, I think. I, I'm all over the place. I think I see a split. Yeah, I think, you know, it's hard to see any predict any team, especially the Marlins, their pitching keeps them in it so often. Hard to see them losing three or four. So, Eli. Marlins are going to win three out of four. Just make sure to, they got to pitch Anthony Bender every single game. And then, <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the recipe for success. I don't know why Don Mattingly hasn't caught on to it already, but uh, I, I think they're going to win three out of four. I think they're overdue for um, probably two of those are going to be really nail biters. Uh, we, we've put out the stat like a million times, how bad they are in one run games. I keep, I keep bending against that, like not continuing as extreme as it has been. Um, 
it'll be all right. Um, like it's not going to change like the outlook on their entire season, but this could be a, a pretty fun weekend. I'm looking forward to uh, personally myself. I'm looking forward to the Sandy Alcantara bobblehead giveaway day. All right. Yeah, bro. That's when on is Saturday. that? That's on, that's on Saturday. 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 The yeah. first I'm 7,500. I yeah, traded bro. the Saturday game for the Friday game. No, yeah, go on Saturday. I'm celebrating my birthday on Saturday with like a whole bunch of friends and family at one, in one of the suites. So definitely try and ride on Saturday. Hey, there you go. They have it turned up at the suite with Isaac. Everybody is in, everybody is invited to the Everybody's Isaac's invited, bro. birthday party. Slide up to the crib, bro. <laughs> um, Addy, oh, the 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 key word for you to get in is Isaac's favorite Marlin ever. Who is it? Isaac's favorite. Okay, uh, Josh Johnson. All right, so we got to say, we say, we say JJ. That's a good one. Get in. All right, yeah, say JJ. Alex, who's your favorite Marlin ever? I don't think I've ever gotten this out of you. Man, my favorite Marlin ever is like a two-way tie. Like, I'm just going to keep it at that. I'm going to say it's Miguel Cabrera. That's okay. my favorite Marlin That's ever. That's a good one. That's and then one. before Miguel, it was Gary Sheffield. Yeah, the man. I think mine's. I think mine's probably G. I'm. I'm a. I still love Giancarlo. Yeah. Oh, he was my favorite player. Yeah. Like twenty since yeah. he made his debut. He, I think that in high school, bro, I was like pumping him up. All I was he sucks. <laughs> he strikes out like bro. He was my favorite fucking. No, player. he's 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 still one of my favorites around the world. Yeah, he, he's cool. And then he just started talking shit about us, and then I disliked him a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, cute. Hey, can we find that clip? It's going to stay away for a long, long time. You remember what he said? They freak. <laughs> yeah. I re- um, yeah. Eli, favorite, favorite Marlin? It's Jose Fernandez, for sure. Yeah, that's that's unbeatable. Yeah, unbeatable. yeah he's a cool guy. I have, I, he signed a ball for me. A happy birthday one, actually. Oh, 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 you know what? Going back to the Sandy thing, my bad. It's the first 7,500 people that go to the game. Get the Sandy Alcantara bobblehead. Get your bobblehead before he gets shipped away, Miami. <laughs> in the in yeah. the only in the mind of uh only in the mind of Alex Contreras is he getting traded. Yeah, no, he, that, that guy's gonna be here. He's gonna be a Marlin life. I hope he so, better, man. He better be. Time to yeah, tar- They're wearing the Sugar Kings stuff. uniforms on Saturday too. Oh, are they really? Yeah. Oh, I was oh, wondering we- last night if when when uh when they're gonna wear those again. Coming back. I know they're doing weekend. it once a month. Yeah. Hopefully they stack up on the new jerseys too. I saw, yeah. you know what? I did see Alex. I was at the game last night. The the store, at least inside the stadium, you know, the one on the concourse, um, on the on the first baseline, looked restocked with a bunch of sugar canes. I I don't know if they had Sandy jerseys jerseys last time, but they had jerseys for Sandy uh, this time. So, bet bet bet. All right, cool. Well, this is Alex Contreras signing out. Thank you so much to Ethan for joining us, Isaac. Eli Sussman. This is Marlins Barbecue signing out. Go fish.